live from the hills of Malibu, it's the Nighttime Show. Today, uh, with us, as always, our head writer and producer, Matt Walker. Yes! Uh, I am the host of the Nighttime Show, Stephen Kramer Glickman. And our guest today, uh, you know him from the World Poker Tour and his movie, Seven Days to Vegas, is on VOD and in theaters September 20th. Check your local listings. It's called Seven Days to Vegas. Ladies and gentlemen, Vince Van Patten. Wow. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Hi, buddy. How are you? Great intro. Thank you so much. I'm good. Good. Very good. <laughs> this is very exciting. You have this movie coming out. This is a this is a big deal. This is and it's a true story. It's based on a true story. Yes. And it's your true story. Exactly. It's uh, it's based on a true story about my poker game that I had mm-hmm. in the 90s uh, through 2008. And uh, the game started at my father's backyard in the pool house, and it grew to be probably the biggest game in America at one time, oh poker God. game. And uh, it's called Seven Days to Vegas because it, it's not about the poker game, this movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about the bets we made, these crazy characters that I knew that were bigger than life. We would make bets on anything. And one of the be- biggest, craziest bets we ever made was that I couldn't walk from L.A. to Las Vegas in seven days for a million dollars. And they all came to watch and bet against me. Wow, yeah, really? Yeah, that's the concept, yes. Oh now, it's so based on the truth. But 250 miles, seven 280, days, 280. 280, so that's yep. 30 miles a day we're Those talking about. Average, you have to do 40 if 40 you want to average. Now you can walk yeah. or run. Um, I mean, there was all kinds of different uh, variables about it, but... Uh, and the movie is about, it's like the hangover meets the sting. Yeah. Because there's a lot of wow. twists and turns and a lot of laughs. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And you, uh, I don't want to know like how it ends, of course. No, you can't. No, you got to no, see the movie. Now I got to see the movie. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, now this was a, a group of you and some of your friends that you, that you guys had, had formed to, to yeah. play uh, poker. Who, who were some of these guys? Well, in the movie, we, we change all the names and, and the characters are... You know, sort of made up, fictionalized. Yeah. Uh, it's based on a lot of different people. Uh, but back in the day when we did have the game, you know, my father used to have a game and it was like Don uh, Don Adams from Get Smart. Mm-hmm. Sorry oh, yeah. about that, Chief. <laughs> you know, and John Houston, the famous director, mm-hmm. and Gabe Kaplan and all these, you know, interesting people. All the Hollywood poker elite. Exactly. Yeah. And I, actually, I started playing poker with my father at age 15. He said, OK. And the game was big mm-hmm. back then. And he said, okay, you're ready to play. You can play because I see you watching, you know, and you can play. So I used to play in this game, and uh, that's when I was, you know, in the 70s. So what kind of stakes are we talking <laughs> in the 70s in this game? Ah, in my father's game back in the 70s, you could win or lose 1000 1500 bucks. That's a lot of money for back Huge. Then. That's yeah. big money. Yeah. And then my game, when we started in the 90s, it started out where you can win or lose a couple thousand, but it grew mm-hmm. to be you can win or lose your house. You know, yeah, I mean, because at that Whoa. point you get to like the, the Larry Flint, the Jerry Buss type game going on where yeah. they're betting hundreds yeah. of thousands. Yeah, I played a lot with Jerry, Jerry mm-hmm. Buss. He was fun to play with all the different characters over the years, you know. But wow. uh, the game got big, but uh, this movie, Seven Days of Vegas, is, is based on the true story, but it's mm-hmm. fictionalized as well. So, Well, yeah, of course, cool. you kind of have to add uh, a little bit to that. And, uh, you know, when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to side bets, there's a lot of weird side I've heard I, I, I mean like I know a, a couple guys who who have done some side bets that are pretty bizarre uh, there was a guy I know who 
bet a, a fella a hundred thousand dollars he wouldn't get a face tattoo. Yeah, uh, and then he and then he he got one. Of course, oh, wow. you wow. know there that. was a guy who did. There, a, there's no winning that bet, by the way. You yeah. get the hundred grams, you still have a face tattoo. <laughs> yeah, so that's you, still bad. You've lost. Um, I, I've heard of guys doing uh, side bets about <laughs> stripping naked and running into weird places. Like what? Yeah. What kind of side bets were you guys betting on? What kind of stuff were you guys? Oh doing? well, we used to have a routine thing before we used to play poker. Uh, usually there was a tennis court and a basketball court at everybody's mm-hmm. mansion, whatever. And I would always make this stupid bet that I could throw the uh, basketball into the net from half court mm-hmm. on how many throws for, mm-hmm. you know. And in the, re- in the beginning was I, I would get 10 throws to make it, you know. And I'd be betting everybody 2000 5000 here. There. So I'd have $30,000 actually before the poker game even started. Wow. And oh, one night wow. I realized uh, I didn't make it. It was down to five throws because I was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I could throw one out of five. So that was the line, the over yeah. and under. And one night I realized I lost $40,000 before the poker game. I just missed everything. <laughs> and I was like, everyone's laughing at me. And then we went on to play some poker. After wow. Oh, my God. But that was one of the things. I used to make bets that I could ha- jump over. Uh, a ten foot chain link fence that's within, what, that's within when, uh, four seconds. Like Steph Curry needs Boom. to get a Vince Van Patten mask and go around places and be like, "Hey, I'll bet you, uh, give me give me ten throws and I'll make it two, and then I'll just sink all of them and win a fortune." Yeah. Uh, uh, a chain link fence in in four seconds. Can you get over? Now I couldn't do it in forty yeah. seconds. But, but uh, cr- crazy bets, jumping off a pier blindfolded, you know, mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. I mean, and they'd all come out and watch you. So stupid bets, but the walk to Vegas in seven days was the yeah, ultimate. That's the so this ultimate. ultimate. That's you were doing yeah. jackass, but for big money. That's yeah, what yeah. you were doing. There you go. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> love that. I love that. So you're, uh, you, you've you been married. How long have you been married to? Uh, yes, to Eileen. Eileen Davidson is, mm-hmm. is my wife, and we've been married 17 years now. She's oh, congratulations. Ter- she's actress. in the film. She's starring in the film with Yeah, great me. actress. She's been around for uh, a while. A lot wow. of good people are in the film. Jennifer Tilly, Ross McCall, Don Stark. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Van Patten, my brother. Yeah. We play brothers in the film. So Jennifer Tilly, who you probably know from the poker world. Yeah, That's yeah. how you met her. Yeah. She loves poker, and she did a, a great little part for us, mm-hmm. and she's funny, and she is a... Uh, she, her boyfriend's Phil Locke, who's yeah. the Unabomber in yep. poker, if you know poker at all. Oh, yeah. And he's also in the film. Uh, Phil Helmuth is also in the okay. film. Mike Sexton. So the big so poker names So all the big names. names. Well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of big names. A lot of big names in that. Yeah. Now, um, talking about poker, because uh, I was telling Stephen on the way over that I used to watch poker back when I was in college, and we'd watch the World Series of Poker when it was on once a year. You'd watch the wow. World Series once a year, and it's on for like a week on ESPN, a couple nights, and you don't know what anybody has on their hand. Yeah. And you're watching, and you're like, okay, it's sort of interesting to watch. I'll just watch any sport. Mm-hmm. Then... Your show comes out, the World Poker Tour, and I remember, this is the first time I remember, and it sort of revolutionized televised poker. Some genius, I don't know who it is, came up with the idea of having a camera on the table uh, at everybody's seat so you could see the cards that they have, and then when you watch them play poker, you really get a sense for how they're doing. Like, you know who's bluffing instead of just the announcer being like, I think he's bluffing, but I don't really know. Um, And then you, so the question I have about those, we know as viewers what the people have. When you're doing the announcing on that show, how much of that is stuff that you're doing while they're playing and how much of it is just pre-recorded, like they film the thing and then you go into a booth and you're like, okay, we're going to talk about this hand and let's talk about playing it out and pretend we don't know how it ends because it's television. Yeah. So how how does that work? Well, uh, first of all, we've been doing the World Poker Tour uh, season 18, coming into season 18. And my boss, the guy that created the World Poker Tour is uh, Steve Lipscomb. Mm -hmm. And he had the idea, he said... Look, if we show that damn, if we show mm-hmm. these cards, it's going to be a great sport. No yeah. one believed him, but he winds up making a deal, gets on TV, mm-hmm. and the rest is like all of a sudden, exactly like you said. Now you can see the cards. Now you see the genius behind poker. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a great, brilliant game. Yeah. And it explodes. And then the World yeah. Series did the same thing. And so they're huge yeah, too. I think that is sort of. 
It happened at the same time as the rise of online poker. And I think those two in combination took poker from being like this niche sport that was sort of played in Vegas and, you know, the clubs here in L.A. Right. It was mm-hmm. you know, the biggest poker town in the world, actually, Los Angeles. But And then it took it and it made it this global phenomenon where then the money has just escalated and the people entering tournaments. I mean, the World, world Series used to be a couple hundred guys. Now you got... 10,000 yeah. entries? It's also, crazy. the yeah. movie, there's been a lot of movies about mm-hmm. poker. Like, because yeah. of it, it's it's like, it's really pushed that genre so that people, uh, people are, are, get very invested. Yeah, and you, and you, you play, play poker. You play uh, poker a, a little bit. A very play. significantly lower stakes than we've been talking about yes. here on these bets. Uh, yes. I go play the $100 table at the Commerce Casino because that's I, where I, that's where my money line is, but, uh, you know. I'm a very fun. bad gambler. I'm, uh, uh, by <laughs> bad, I mean, if I win five dollars i go I, I won and then i just run out of the casino screaming and uh, and that's the that's the end for me like i'm very i like i'm not good at, at like at like hanging in there for too long because i because every time i, I lose i'm not yeah. very good at that's things. good because then you don't get hooked you know yeah. you're not going to play much which is great then you you don't you're almost even which is yeah. good no, in now, the gambling world but like if you know if you are betting and losing large amounts of money is that ever taxing does that feel emotionally like how do you how do you deal with uh, well when the when that? i was having my game and the game got bigger and bigger all of a sudden you're playing over your head and the nights when you lose a big number it's sickening and you mm-hmm. can't sleep for two days you try to sleep and then you, i had to drive my kids to school at eight after playing till seven o'clock in the morning and you lose big numbers and it's it's torturous actually and you know what to lose big money in a poker game is three times worse than when you win big money in a poker mm-hmm. game. Because when you win, you just go, oh, oh I'm, I'm terrific. And God, yeah, I, could, yeah. I really have the edge in this game. And that's good. Now what will I do with my, oh, I'll put, I'll put the money in here. You don't think about it. I mean, it's nice, but when you lose, it's a torture chamber. And um, it's always been that way. So eventually I couldn't take it. So I had to step away and uh, just go back to broadcasting. I play poker now, but if not for the big numbers, I was getting in over my head and it's mm-hmm. scary. What, what what do you mean when you say getting in over your head? Uh, taking losses where you just can't afford. So all of a sudden, you know, then you're chasing it and go, will I ever come back and win? You just yeah. don't know. And I, I, it's not just poker that I love. I, I gambled on everything, the racetrack and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and all kinds of sports betting and all that. So I would have constant action all the time. I, I mean, I loved it. And that's part of this movie, Seven Days of Vegas. I, I mm-hmm. show that, uh, that these gamblers, usually in, in poker movies and gambling movies, it's always this very, very dark, seedy side. Yes. And, you know, are they going to come back and there's some life and death situation? Like Rounders or whatever. Right. It's got that feel. Yeah. This film, Seven Days of Vegas, is more of showing the glory and the fun of mm-hmm. when you're in the gambling world, betting for money that's a little over your head and crazy and the crazy bets you make and the characters you meet. And my whole life I've been gambling since I was 12 years old. And I've always enjoyed my life. It's a spice of life mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. it got too big. But, yeah. but before that, yeah. it's fun. And I wanted to show that in a film. I want, for the first time, a gambling film that shows the joy of mm-hmm. the bets and the props and this different special life that these guys have oh, yeah. and what can happen when it gets out of hand. And, it, and it's interesting because we have a different attitude about gambling in America than the rest of the world, I think. Where um, And with the World Poker Tour, you travel the world, you go to Asia, you go to the UK. And in places like that, in the UK, they have a bookmaker on every corner for taking bets on everything. Like you can bet on who's going to win the presidency in America in the UK. Just you walk into a store and there's just a gambling place. And it's like part of their culture in a way. And you go to Asia and there's just like gambling is sort of more entrenched in their culture than it has been here where we've made a lot of it illegal. And Mm. do you feel that like 
because of that, sort of the taboo nature of it, is that sort of part of the reason why, like, these portrayals of gambling on television and in the movies have always been sort of this dark, seedy underbelly because we don't really accept it in the same way? I know what you're saying. I think, you know, now there's going to be more um, sports betting legalized mm-hmm. in the United States, and, and people are just accustomed to that. They're just saying, look, if people like to gamble and have fun with it, let's make it legal. Let's tax it and make it legal. So we'll see what happens. But like you said, over in England, it's uh, it's a lot more over there. But um, look, if you don't get out of control, it mm-hmm. can be an enjoyable life. It's a yeah. social thing. You can go to the casinos or have a home game and you can have some fun. And people that are very lonely can go to the casino and make new friends, and mm-hmm. especially if you lose. And then uh, <laughs> it's that type of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's not, the, I think 3% get that addiction where yeah. it's a real problem. But- uh, Did you feel like you were on the edge of that three percent when you sort of had to pull back? Yeah, eventually when the when my games got too big and and I I played over my head, I feel yes. And now for the last ten years, <laughs> you know I'm breaking away from it. I still love it and I still do okay. You know in poker, yeah. I lose in everything else. Yeah, but um, <laughs> it's like I always describe it as the needles coming out of my arm very slowly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and eventually I you just don't need it anymore, which is interesting. Matt, you and me are both uh, stand-up comedians, and I know we both uh, say a lot of things that are uh, very offensive on a mm-hmm. regular basis. Do you ever have trouble sleeping at night? Uh, yeah, not because of things I say, though. It's just because I have lousy pillows. Oh, okay. So you don't have like a horrible feeling of guilt sometimes for the Never. awful things. Oh, that, well, that's nice. Never. I'm proud of the horrible things that I say to people. <laughs> that's No, that's good. That's a good way to yeah. be. Sometimes I, uh, I, I do have trouble sleeping, uh, or I did have trouble sleeping mm-hmm. until I got... This brand new pillow. What kind of pillow? I mean, this is next level stuff, Matt. This thing, this is a pillow. Uh, you've never seen a pillow like this because uh, until recently it did not exist. It's called the buttress pillow. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is shaped like a butt and it has little legs. And it's a, it's, uh, you got, you're not going to believe this. You got to go check it out. The buttresspillow.com. So it's like your face rests on a butt. Your face is is pressed into a butt crack while the legs support your uh, mm-hmm. your neck and shoulders basically it's it sounds comfortable it is very comfortable uh it's ergonomic uh am i saying that right er- yes. ergonomic uh functional all natural and it's absolutely beautiful uh check this out this is this is from their website um soft but supportive with feeling with the feeling of a butt all right and the sweet spot is between the thighs and the cheeks which will gently cradle your head and support your neck great for side sleepers back sleepers and stomach sleepers it's squeezable slappable face variable uh relieves stress you know from having a long horrible day you've what what do you want to do at the end of a long day Put your head in a butt. That is 100% right. <laughs> well, you can dress it up. You can dress it down. You want to throw you, some PJs on it? You convince me, so where do I go get one of these? You go to thebuttresspillow.com, thebuttresspillow.com. That's T-H-E-B-U-T-T-R-E-S-S, pillow.com. Go to thebuttresspillow.com, Matt, and uh, get your sleep on. You'll have much better dreams. All right, let's get back to the show. How did you become the voice of poker? In that you're you, like you and Mike Sexton are probably the two preeminent voices, voice announcers of poker. I mean, I've you've been on my television hundreds of hours. I've heard, I've listened to you talk about poker. Um, so how I've did heard that... your voice over the phone while talking to him in the background. And I'm watching it. Yes, many <laughs> many funny. times. So how did that come about? Because you know you said uh, John yeah. Lipscomb. You said his name was right? Steve Lipscomb. Steve yeah. Lipscomb uh, decides that he's going to create the show. He finally sells it to the Travel Channel initially, yep. I think. And then they're like, "We've got this show." How do you become the guy that he goes to and say, hey, 
Vince Van Patten, you're okay. the guy who should be talking about poker on TV. Okay, I was an actor before that. Yeah. You know, for my whole life I've been an actor. I was a tennis professional as mm-hmm. well. When I came back, having, having poker games and stuff, I was still acting and doing something like that. 1999, they called me up for the World Series of Poker. Mm-hmm. And I did that event when okay. you could not see the cards. Yeah. And uh, Scotty Wynn won it. Mm-hmm. And we did it outside. And uh, uh, it, was, it was a good event. But like you said, people went, you know, wow, he must have had a big hand. It was, I think 14 people watched it, right? Yeah. So two years later, Steve Lipscomb comes around with this, this thing. And Mike Sexton helped him raise the money finally to get the World Poker Tour started. And then they, had, they needed a sidekick. They needed somebody mm-hmm. else. And who else was there? Maybe me. So they came mm-hmm. to me and said, would you want to do this? I said, oh, gosh, a poker show. Yeah, it'll probably last, you know, two shows. Who yeah. knows? Did the show, and it becomes a big overnight sensation. Yeah. So been on ever since. And uh, I never oh. thought. I mean, who thought? We didn't think so. We did not think it was going to become this explosion. And it just happened out that way. That's a really wonderful thing yeah. when something like that happens, <laughs> and you're not you're not expecting it. You no. don't know, and just like a lot of great things in life, like you know, you, you take you you kind of roll the dice and take a chance on stuff. Are, then, have there ever been times where like know? you're going and you're broadcasting at a tournament, like you're in the Caribbean or whatever? Like, do you feel like, hey, I should be out there playing in this game, or or is it more like the stakes are so high because those are ten thousand dollar buy in yeah. games? They're not cheap yep. to get into well it's good because uh mike sexton and i both couldn't play for the first 10 years on the world poker tour mm-hmm. uh, our boss said no no i don't want you guys playing it would look bad and then finally he just said oh ah, go ahead and who cares at this point point?" and okay. so mike plays a lot of tournaments i'm more of a cash game player yeah. i don't play many tournaments but mike has done very well he's made mm-hmm. a couple final tables i think he won one and then uh tony dunst who is now our co-commentator because mm-hmm. mike left a couple years ago yeah uh, and now Tony has won a couple, one, mm-hmm. one, uh, one World Poker Tour event. So he's a great player. But uh, so, yeah, but in the beginning we were saying, oh, my goodness, there's so much money and there's so much at, at stake. Why can't yeah. we play? We were dying to play. Yeah. But no longer. Okay. So um, when you're doing these shows, I, I, I think we sort of glossed over this earlier. You film them in advance or are you doing live announce somewhere in a room like a mile away so they can't? getting the advantage like how does that work like the practicalities yeah. of, of doing the announcing on it well now we're at esports arena we're in that room and mm-hmm. mike and sexton and i were always in the room okay but we couldn't see the cards at when the tournament's actually going okay all right so we're not seeing the cards we're just speculating they're going to use some of that then we come back three months later they cut it together and that's when we see the cards and that's when we then give that performance. additional stuff and Got so it. you do both yeah okay wow yeah, i was wondering how that worked because i was like you can't yeah. Because if we say, yeah, yeah. oh my goodness, he had, you, the players would hear it and then realize, yeah. oh my, you know. and that could They'd be. hear the excitement in your voice or whatever, even if you don't mention what they have, right. it would be unfair advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Now, have you, uh, when, it comes, when it comes to betting and to things like this, have you ever known anybody, and I, we don't have to call them out, but have you ever known anybody that's cheated uh, on a bet? Have you ever witnessed something like that or witnessed something go wrong? Well, in poker, you have to be, you know about this type of thing because it could happen. I'm yeah. not saying, I yeah. mean, it's the slim chance uh, at home games it could happen. And over the years in my game, I, I caught two or three cheating rings mm-hmm. and had to break it up. And yeah. uh, even when you tell them, I mean, they have codes, they have verbal codes, they have signals, all kinds of sophisticated things. Mm-hmm. And they will try to steal from your game. So you yeah. got to be very careful. My father, who's from New York and learned everything about, you know, cards mm-hmm. and cheats and all, taught me when I was 14 years old. He says, I know you love the game. I know you love to gamble. Got to know these things. This is a marked deck. And he showed me everything about that. Mm-hmm. So I knew it. Oh. I knew all kinds of codes and stuff like that. So that's a big advantage to have if you're running a game, is, if you're is, having a game. Oh is the sharing of information, that's probably the, the most common way that they try to cheat? Well, it's, it happens mostly in high-low games, which mm-hmm. we used to play a lot more okay. back then. Because yeah. one partner will go high, the other one will go low. 
and uh, yeah, and just for anybody listening, advantage. Uh, if you don't know what a high low game is, then basically you declare whether you're going to try to have the highest hand at the table or the lowest hand at the table, and both of those win a share of the pot. Because um, it's not as common a game that you might oh, see. Yeah. Okay. So that could happen. I mean, teams like that, or just mark cards. I mean, just if, mm-hmm. you, if I can, if, if I'm reading those cards, I know what everyone has. I can't lose basically in the long run. So yeah. things like that. But it's a very rare thing. So mm-hmm. a lot of poker. Most poker is very ethical. Yeah. Uh, and all the players I played with were all cool, and we had we had fun. Have yeah. you ever seen uh, a bet go south for somebody where you're like, oh no, this guy just put himself in a really bad position. Have you ever seen something like that happen? What you see over the years, I mean, you see some terrible plays. You know, you see people mucking their hands with the best hand mm-hmm. and they threw it in there. And you went, what did you do? Oh, I had the best. Oh, it's too late. You know, yeah. that type of thing, you know, for good money. So what about on a side bet? Have you ever seen a side bet go, go terribly wrong? <laughs> well, the thing about side bets, um, <laughs> that's kind of the point is that they go terribly wrong. It could yeah. go wrong, but usually you have a settlement. You can settle yeah. out. So if uh, so, if you're doing a bet and <laughs> it's something over in two hours, I can do 400 push-ups or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, within an hour, the guy can go, "Okay, I'm going to give you one third, get me out of this bet." Yeah. Or vice versa, the guy can go, "Okay, I think you're going to make it. I'll give you 80 percent right now." So you you know you could do that. Oh, okay. which is fun. Yeah, okay. and some actually some bookmakers even done that do that because I remember uh, when Leicester City won the English Premier League uh, in England, they were like. 5,000 to 1 underdogs or something. Like they, they had never won anything, and they win the championship there. And there's like three games left in the season, and the bookmakers were all like contacting the people who had money on that, and they're like, what if we gave you 75% right now? Because they could still lose the last three games, and they won't win. But I don't think they got any takers because they were just like, no, I'm going to ride this out and get all my money. Yep. I love that. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Matt, what are you watching on TV these days? Uh, lately, I've been watching a lot of astronomy videos on YouTube. Astronomy videos? Yeah. Why are you watching astronomy videos on YouTube? I like space. Well, if you like space, then you're going to love Bliss Lights. Mm-hmm. Bliss Lights is absolutely amazing. Um, they have this thing called the Skylight, and it is a laser light show that you put in your living room. Mm-hmm. It shines up on the ceiling, and then basically you have the whole universe just shining right above you. You don't have to watch TV to look at the stars in the sky. You don't have to go camping to look out at galaxies. You can literally sit in your living room and watch the skylight from Bliss Lights. That sounds amazing. It is amazing. These are the guys who do the laser light shows for all the theme parks, and now you get to have a laser light show in your living room. All you have to do is go to blisslights.com. That's blisslights.com. I'm talking about blisslights.com. This is the, like, it's like, forget a nightlight, all right? You got Mm -hmm. a nightlight for your kids? Throw that in the trash, okay? (laughs) This right here is the next level, and it is absolutely incredible. Go to blisslights.com. We're talking about blisslights.com. Oh, and use promo code NIGHTTIME for 10% off your order. That's N-I-G-H-T-T-I-M-E for 10% off. Come on, go use it right now. Blisslights.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Um, all right, we're going to, since you uh, are an actor and uh, you've you've acted a great deal in your life, we're going to throw a, an acting question at you. <laughs> Don't get me going. Get ready for this. Get <laughs> yeah, ready sure, for this. Sure. You ready? Uh, according to IMDb, mm-hmm. uh-huh. do you know what your first credit is on IMDb? Bonanza, 1964? No. 
That's uh, as close. It is The Young Lawyers, 1969. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I was 11 years old. Something Were like you that. really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, The Young Lawyers. How did you... Because Were you, were you a young lawyer at 11? Because that's, <laughs> that's a good show. No, but when I came in out here as a child actor in 68 or 69, mm-hmm. 69 it was, uh, I did every show, every one of those shows. Oh, Bonanza, yeah. Three yeah. Bonanza, High Chaparrales, The mm-hmm. Young Lawyers. Uh, You've got a lot. of Betty's father. I mean, all these shows as a kid actor. Ironside, yeah, Cannon, Adam yeah. 12. Oh, all the good shows back mm-hmm. then. Scooby-Doo. You did a Scooby-Doo. lot. Scooby-Doo. You did a lot. Of I did life. Scooby-Doo, and it was for Hanna-Barbera, and mm-hmm. Joe, uh, Mr. Barbera, I believe, came out the front of the office and said, oh, hi, uh, young man. You must be Vince. Come on in. We're going to do some voiceovers today. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, my God. Yes. And then when I, I work at Walt Disney, the Disney studio, and Walt Disney was actually on mm-hmm. the lot. No. Wow. Yes. And I'd see him walking into the big commissary, the very private one, and he'd do the same thing. Oh, well, you must be a child actor. Nice to see you. Can now run along. You know, <laughs> oh so it was great. These God. great characters, That's amazing. very uh, exposed. Then yeah. I would see them on so the lot. Be- because your father <laughs> was was. Uh, I, love, I love that. <laughs> I saw Alfred Hitchcock yeah. on the Universal. Wow. No, you yeah. did not. Yeah. Did you really? I was under contract at a thirteen, as thirteen years old for Universal, mm-hmm. and uh, he used to have his. Uh, you were under contract. And, and back in the day, that's what yeah. they used to do. When they still had. And it was yeah. under contract uh, for three hundred and fifty dollars a week. That was it. Wow. It was considered pretty good money yeah. back then. And uh, we used to see Alfred Hitchcock walk to the commissary every day. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's, That's so amazing. Cool. That's fun. amazing. Yeah, no, because your father, Dick Van Patten, yeah. great actor who we've all seen in uh, Spaceballs and Eight Love is Enough, Space. you know, to, to the things that come to mind. Um, did you grow up around a lot of celebrity as a child? Oh, yeah. Like where they were just hanging out at the house and yeah. he was friends with all of those guys? He, my father was washed up. When he was, in, we lived in New York uh, until 1969. He did. I remember Mama in the 50s, mm-hmm. and for 10 years he couldn't get arrested. He was washed up and didn't know what he was going to do. He started getting hot again. Was he working a regular job during he that was time? Trying or? to get plays in New York. He got a play called uh, I forget, but um, mm-hmm. uh, he gets this play and it brings him out to. L.A. in mm-hmm. 1969, and he starts getting hot again, and they started putting him in series, and he, he gets something on with uh, Don Adams called yeah. The Partners, uh-huh. and then Don Adams starts inviting our whole family over to Don Adams' house in Beverly Hills with a tennis court on Sundays, and Don had friends like Jimmy Kahn and Peter Falk oh, yeah. and all these big celebrities. Now we're, you know, we're hobnobbing with them. We would play tennis with Kahn. He'd be making bets against us, mm-hmm. but we were pretty good in tennis, very good. Yeah. Um, anyway, we got to know everybody. In that realm, wow! Back in the and, day, uh, yeah. you were so good. At, you you were a professional tennis player. Yeah, I was top twenty five in the world. Um, I played on the circuit for ten years mm-hmm. after my acting. Uh, this was in the eighties. Yeah. So, how old That's were you when so you were cool. yeah. pursuing tennis? Like you, like you know, eighteen. Yeah, I was like uh, went on the circuit when I was nineteen, and then uh-huh. I retired when I was about twenty nine. So, you were playing poker at night while playing tennis during the day? Is that when I played or? tennis on the circuit? I kind of gave up the poker for okay. sure. You know, before yeah. that, I was playing. But then when I came gambling back, sort of is considered a taboo yeah. among a lot of. Uh, listen, I wanted athletes. to. I used to bring my poker chips on the ATP circuit. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get a game. You know, I had my poker yeah. chips. I had the cards. I said, "Let's play some poker, guys!" But no one really bit. In that so, in uh, that time, it wasn't yeah. a thing no, very much. I mean, no. now you'd probably have no problem getting a game going. Now, but, exactly right. Yeah. But then I came back uh, after that in my thirties, started acting again, and that's when I. Started my new poker game, mm-hmm. and then how this is how it grew. Nick grew, and now yeah. yeah, you started acting. I mean, like you, if you you know, everyone's got these these jumps, you know, in in their career where they take time to go do other things and they work on other stuff. And it's it is neat to kind of look through and be like, oh my god, like you 
you went off and when you went off to go play tennis, like you focused your whole life on tennis and in poker, it seems like the same kind of thing. Like when you worked on, it's like when you work on something, you put everything into it and you become like one of the best at that thing. That That's a very, uh, special thing well i think i think you're onto something because not that i always succeed in everything but uh i did well in tennis and then after that was over i realized oh okay i'll try acting but uh, they weren't inviting me back i wasn't getting many jobs Mm -hmm. so i said okay i'll try this poker thing and and poker went very well for me and i learned everything about poker every nuance every uh, doyle brunson's book read every page i mean i studied i listened i mean when you start doing well in a, a game like poker you love it. Where and were you, you playing wait. at that time? Was it mostly home oh, games? Home or games were you and playing also casinos? casinos too. Like know? commerce and bicycle, the bicycle? Okay. Bicycle casino. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that hyper focus though, the ability yeah. to, to focus in on something and then become very, very good at it. That's not very common. Like you don't, we, we don't run into that a lot, you know, like it seemed, and it, it, it's, it, where does that come from? Is that, is there some, is that from your father? Does your, was it your, like your mother, someone uh, related yeah. to you that you watched who was, very, very good I, I, at something, and you just watched them. That's a great question. I think my father, you know, taught us when I was a kid actor. He said, "Know your lines. You want to be an actor. Know your lines and just be real. Just be real, and uh, you you show up early. Never be late. Never be late. Get there early. Never distract the director. I mean, he gave us all these rules. You mm-hmm. know, taught us everything about being on the set and how to be a professional. Yeah. So I think I was a professional at a very young age. So when I go into something else, I try to be as professional as possible and learn everything about it. You know, it's mm-hmm. funny, uh, like w- w- uh, many years ago, I worked on this Broadway show and I it was it, like I was very new to it. And my uh, I'll never forget my call time. Uh, oh, I, I, we, we should say this to stay because we were just re- reviewing this story the other day and talking about it. And it's a funny mm-hmm. story. But Matt, uh, Matt and I have been friends for what, 14 years, 14, 15 years, 14, yeah. 15 years now. And, We've um, known each other. We're doing stand-up in bowling alleys and oh yeah, video stores. Oh man, parking yeah. lots. You know, oh, anywhere yeah. you could do stand-up. Oh well, yeah, yeah, man, we did stand-up everywhere you could possibly do it. And uh, and when we were when I got cast in this big Broadway musical, Shrek. I was it was Shrek the musical as Shrek as Shrek. Fantastic. And I was no makeup I needed. Was a, Just... Yeah, no makeup <laughs> needed. Very funny. Yeah, so I'd never done uh, anything big and professional. You before. were answering phones at the comedy store. Wow. That was your I was, job. I was the yeah. doorman at the comedy store and the phone operator there, and yeah. making five bucks an hour, and and then I went from that to living on Fifty Second and Fifth Avenue in wow. in New York City, and it was a big a big change. So I called Matt and I mm-hmm. said, "Hey, I have this big life change happening in my life. I'm going to be doing this big thing. I need you to keep me grounded, okay? So I'm going to call you specifically." To keep me grounded because everyone else is going to be kissing my ass in New York. I know that's going to be happening. So just keep me grounded. And he was like, all right, all right. And so what happened was uh, I get out to New York and I'm working with like Jeffrey Katzenberg and David Geffen and Sam Mendes and all these amazing people. And it's it's big. It feels great. And everyone's being so nice. And I call Matt and I go, oh, my God, this is such a huge thing in my life. This is an amazing, amazing thing that's happening. And, and he said to me, uh, no, just remember this. No matter uh, how good you do in this show, your father still won't love you. <laughs> That's what, what he said to me, and I was like, I was like, oh, you son of a bitch! And it like brought it all. It was like, all right, okay, kicked me right back down wherever I was, yanked me back down. But but the <laughs> one of the things that uh, doing uh, that show did for me was. Uh, 
I the, our call time every day was eight o'clock in the morning, and so I would show up at eight o'clock in the morning. You know, everyone else would show up at eight, and I would show up mm-hmm. at eight. I have my breakfast there, and you know, whatever. And uh, the director, after about a month of doing it, pulled me aside. Like, come maybe a couple of weeks, pulled me aside and was like, "Hey, uh, I noticed you're getting here at eight o'clock in the morning." And I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "That's not what time you should be here." And I was like, "Oh." I, I thought our call time was eight. He was like, yeah, the cast call time is eight, but you're the lead on this show. You need to, you need to be here at seven. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. Okay. He was like, you should always be here early, warm up, get ready. So when everyone arrives, you're welcoming the whole cast. What? And I was like, oh, okay. And, and then, uh, so then I tried to one up him and I arrived at six in the morning <laughs> and the doors were locked. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, okay. All right. So 7 a.m. 7 a.m. But it, but it set, it, it reminded me of something where it was like, it, I mean, it, it, it made me realize something, which is you don't always know the level of professionalism that you have to be at until you're at it. And then someone will tell you, this is how this works. Never be late. Always show up on time. Yeah. Always be professional. Always do this. Always do that. And you know, like it helps you like hyper focus and get and be better at what you do. Yeah. And so like, here's a question uh, for you about this about this movie because Seven Days to Vegas, great title by the oh, way. Yes. Um. Now you produced this movie, wrote it, with and you my wrote buddy it, Steve Alper, who's a writer. We wrote mm-hmm. it together. I produced it, uh, acting in it, and uh, what else? Do what? you play yourself in this movie? I, I play, I don't call myself my, you know, a okay. different name, fictionalized name. Yes. Yeah. But okay. I basically. You're the guy walking to Vegas. I did movie. make that Got bet. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how do you get inspired to write this movie? What's, what comes as the inspiration to write a movie? Okay. Is I did not want to write this. No, I've written, written a couple before? of the things. We produced a couple of the movies over the years and wrote and produced and, uh, uh, but I did. I wanted to step away from all of that. I was bored with that. I was just doing my world poker tour. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And then my wife said, uh, we saw a movie about Hollywood people that wasn't very good. About six years ago, we were had big ambitions. And I said, I, I love the idea about Hollywood movies. She goes, well, you've got to write your movie. Mm-hmm. I went, oh, no, don't tell me that. She goes, yes, <laughs> you have to write your movie. It's too good. So, that, so we sat down, me and my buddy. I always like to write with somebody. Uh, bounce things off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sure. I brought Steve Alper, and he's terrific. And it took us a couple of years for many different drafts, and we get it done, and we raise the money, and that's how it happened. And uh, Wow. Yeah, but I love writing. Was, I love sitting ask- in a room, and I love creating and bouncing things off. I do love that. I get a real thrill out of that. When I'm acting, I'm, I'm kind of bored on the set. You get a little sleepy because your scene's not coming up. But I swear, when I'm writing, the day goes by like that. You know, which is great. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. And and what's great with writing too is like you get a real sense of accomplishment when you finished a scene or you finished a page or like I got mm-hmm. another page done. You yep. know, and it like it feels so good. So writing something like this, especially writing with a friend, yeah. like that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful thing. And he's written a bunch of stuff. He's he's yeah. been he's been around and, he's and has been. And uh, you have a lot of laughs and it's it's great fun. Um, Where did the budget come from? Like, how much was uh, the budget for this? Is it not okay supposed to, to say? You know what the budget is until later on because yeah, uh, no, I yeah. we're, we're coming out. Uh, how did you raise the money? Who who did yeah. you go to? Yeah, you, I thought it was going to be easy. It was not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I raised money twenty years ago for a film, and it was easy. You know, but now it's very tough. So yeah. uh, eventually, you lower your budget to try to get it to make it happen, mm-hmm. and eventually, well, yeah, because now it's like it's not. It, it, back in the day, it was like. Oh yeah, well, theatrical distribution. We'll get a distribution company to do this, or it'll come straight out to video, home yeah. video at the time with yeah. Blockbuster and stuff like that. That's right. They would buy a, a whole bunch of yeah. stuff pre, you know, knowing that 
that even if it even if it comes out it wins some awards it's going to get distribution yeah. now it's like with Netflix and with all these things, there's a million different ways yeah. it can go. Well, we got a company to finally bite, so it wasn't independent money. We got a company to do it, and then they're no longer with us, so we had to take it over. But, uh, uh, hey, it's coming out iTunes. You can already mm-hmm. pre-buy it now on iTunes. What? I know it comes out in a few days, but you can pre-buy it, and mm-hmm. it's doing quite well in there. And it'll be everywhere, Amazon and uh, so nationwide in certain theaters. So it's exciting. Seven days to Vegas. I hope people can watch it. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure people. It will. sounds so fun. That's uh, really cool. Uh, before we, uh, that sort of has like a mad, 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 mad world kind of feel yeah. to the description of it. Yeah, I like to describe great. it as the Hangover meets the Sting. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's it's going to be good. I hope you guys see it. You know, I love it. Hey Matt, let me ask you something. This mm-hmm. time of year, um, it's, it's starting to get a little cold. It's 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 heading into the winter months. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how do you how do you feel about the winter months? Uh, I'm not a fan. I'm cold. I uh, I'm cold in July, let really? alone in October. You know, um, then then he, I've got something that you're gonna absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Yo shirt, uh, the company that has brought you these like. Really, really cool shirts and socks and all sorts of yeah, stuff. Yeah, you've got where you that can, app. You can upload your own yeah, images you and get the your printed. image and get it printed right there. And you can do one-offs. They're so cool. They make so much cool stuff. But they invested in this technology that has created Sherpa blankets that are just extra plush. They're absolutely gorgeous. And they feel so nice to the touch. You have one. I got one for you. Yeah. Um, of it's your really face. Soft. It's your face. It is my face. I'm on a blanket on my bed, which is weird, but it's very yeah. soft. You, you know what? Uh, just as a quick side note, at uh, LA Comic Con, we had a, a couple of these made, one for each of us with our artwork mm-hmm. of, of our faces on it. And I gave one to Mike Black, mm-hmm. uh, who has been on our show. He's our announcer on the yep. show. And Mike Black was so tired at LA Comic Con after working so <laughs> hard for three straight days yes. on this thing. We found him fast asleep in a chair with his blanket of mm-hmm. his face wrapped around him. And I have never seen a cuter 40-year-old <laughs> man in my life. Uh, go to Yo Shirt on your phone. Go to the Google Play Store. Get it there. Go to, go to it on uh, the iPhone. You can get it there or on an iPad. Uh, upload it. Just Android play well. with it. Android every, everywhere. It's available everywhere. And, and just go and experiment and play with this thing. But I'm telling you right now, these Sherpa blankets are absolutely incredible. You should get one. They're gorgeous. They're going to keep you warm, Matt. They're going to well, keep you what warm. What if they want one of your face? If you want one of my face, you can grab the artwork from my Instagram and drop it right onto it. And I'll tell you what, you'll end up with uh, get to sleep with, with my big old giant hairy face so that's what you want out of your life i mean congratulations to you you know you're making good choices that's all i can say um so go to yoshirt.com check it out yoshirt on all the app stores yoshirt.com um you're uh, i I do have uh one or two quick questions before we wrap up uh your uh your wife is a is a terrific actress she's Mm -hmm. on uh been on soap opera for a very she's got a couple emmys for the uh Young and the Restless, mm-hmm. and oh, then yeah. she did The Housewives of Beverly Hills a few years back oh, for a few God. seasons, and yeah. she had some good fights in that. That's amazing, <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. So how much of that was real? Uh, you know, that's <laughs> it really is real. <laughs> okay, so all right. Uh, yeah. She stepped around it, and so yeah. eventually she couldn't take it. It was like my poker. Eventually yeah. you got to go walk away. Well, also, because so if, if you're not the crazy one on that show, 
then yeah. you're sort of ignored. Like they don't <laughs> want you that much. If you're not the one fighting and doing all the crazy Setting stuff, then they're kind of like eh. someone's house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they do open the bottle of uh, they, yeah. the bottles of wine get opened up pretty quickly. Pretty liberally, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's all I can say. <laughs> I know but, we we know some people who have been on those like fantasy island shows. You know the shows where they where they like put a well, bunch of people. We, we together. had a guy uh, on a podcast once who was on The Bachelor, and he said they put him in a hotel room for like a week with yep. no TV. No access to newspapers, no access to the internet. Couldn't do anything for a week. And then they get them liquored up and then just throw them on this show. <laughs> so they're just like, they haven't been around any human beings, no human contact, anything. Yeah, and then they're oh, like, yeah. they're just like wild animals being released because like they don't know what the hell's going on. Like yeah. it's, they, they know how to amp people up for those shows. They really do. Yeah. I, listen, by the way, I wanted to say, uh, this is also the sweepstakes that you can actually win from clubwpt.com. Oh, And okay. that's uh, with the World Poker Tour. Club WPT and people mm-hmm. are going to win uh, prizes to come to the premieres and, and all that oh, stuff awesome. too. So check it out, clubwpt.com. Yeah. I love that. For seven days to Vegas, yeah. yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Um, do they win you, seven days in Vegas? Or does it take... Your, yeah, a few days. Well, because one of the premieres Greyhound? is in Vegas. We're going to do one over there. Or do you put them on a Greyhound so it takes seven <laughs> days to get to Vegas? Because that would No, be no, <laughs> we're flying up, believe it or not. Oh my God, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Are you going to do a premiere here in LA? Are you gonna LA, New York, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. In Chicago, Richard Roper loves the film. He's oh, going to help champion it, and he loves the film. So uh, Chicago as well. So we'll be bouncing around for the next two weeks. Now, mm-hmm. when... Uh, I, now, when... When you were doing a lot of crazier betting stuff, uh, was your wife or uh, was she around for that? Was she uh, there? Yeah, Eileen's been happening? around and, and and seen it all. You know, when I had a bad night, I didn't say a word. Okay, but she could mm-hmm. tell because yeah. you're coming in late and you're, <laughs> you're not mm-hmm. in a good mood. But you know, even when I won, I wouldn't celebrate it. So you usually when wife says, "Well, how how did you do?" She said, "I broke about even. Mm-hmm. Broke about even." But that lasts for about two years. Then the rest of she goes, what is this even stuff? What are you talking about? There's something going on. I was always taught taught when it came to poker that uh, the the real way to evaluate what you're doing is not so much on the money wins or losses, but on how you played the hands. So if you play the hand correctly. Take that to the bank. Regardless of the outcome. But I mean, I'm playing it much more (laughs) safe. I'm not paying my bills on it. But I mean, that's one way to think about it. It's like, you know, did you do the right thing? Um, I'd rather be wrong and get the money. Eileen, <laughs> <laughs> here's the great thing about Eileen too. <laughs> here's the great thing about Eileen too. Yeah, she yeah. is, uh, who knew? But she loves to gamble too. Mm-hmm. So she found out early on, I play poker. She takes a little piece of my action. Mm-hmm. I sports bet. We're betting football. She goes, I want half the action. I said, you got it. So we're betting with the bookies <laughs> and we got ha- every football game. She's got half the action. She's a degenerate. Who knew? But I'll tell you oh something. My God. It's fun. It's fun to have <laughs> action with the wife in gambling yeah. if she can take it. And she can't, she's a great sport. So I said, honey, we're stuck uh, such and such. I have to pay the book. She says, okay. She's like, who yeah. is this woman? She's fantastic. <laughs> That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like I, I always heard, uh, I think it was Artie Lang used to say this, where he'd be like, hey, oh, you don't care about the Jets playing the Browns tonight? How about this? How much money do you have in your banking account? Oh, uh, $2,000 in your checking account? Bet 6000 on the on the Jets to win tonight. You'll really care about that game if you do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's yeah. how you're really <laughs> that, going to care. That's a way to know. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, now, uh, one yeah. last thing. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so tournament play is different than cash game play, obviously, because yeah. you're playing for different stakes and you, you've got a different set of money that's on the line. And like you can, uh, it's not a matter of like you've got to win this one hand or you're out. Like you can lose money and buy back in and right. things like that. Um, do you find that there are a lot of great cash game players who just avoid tournaments altogether? Like for sure. You see- for sure. Um, 
that's kind of me. I, mm-hmm. I, I do very well in cash games. There's a lot of reasons why. Mm-hmm. You can talk, especially at a home game. You can talk yeah. to the players more. You can you can make deals mm-hmm. in the cash game. Yeah. I, I was very good at making deals uh, in the cash game. Tournaments, you can't do that. They've taken all the fun things. Yeah, you can't be like, let's run it three times and right. best two out of three or whatever. Yeah. Right, exactly. So yeah. it's uh, different skills for tournament play and cash game mm-hmm. play. And the more tournaments are getting stricter and stricter, so it's taking some fun out of it, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, gosh, when I used to play the cash games at the, at the casinos and at Horseshoes, Binions, mm-hmm. and Bellagio, we had cash. We had hundreds, stacks of yeah. hundreds in front of you. That was fun. Yeah. Not just chips. but they'd be, yeah, you know, big pile of the, cash the, is the fun. Hundreds, yeah. the C-notes, okay, mm-hmm. 2,000, I'm putting that. I mean, that was fun to win cash yeah. at these tables. No longer. You can't do that. So uh, two different, very different games and a lot of great tournament players are not good cash game players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Now, I've also heard that probably the greatest poker player in the world is probably somebody who we've never heard of in the general public and probably keeps a very low profile and just wins a ton of money off tourists in Vegas and they just suck it up at some high roller tables. Like, are there guys that you know that are great players who win a fortune who none of us know watching poker on TV? Like, are there guys like that out there? I think there's got to be now. There's got to be some secret players out there. The games mm-hmm. have gotten so much bigger. I'm sure the home games and these huge games they might be playing for big big bucks and i'm mm-hmm. sure there's some good pros that go under the radar and playing those yeah. games and maybe winning scotty yeah. Wen put on sure. a fake mustache and just sure in. <laughs> but you'd be surprised a lot of the great players that everyone yeah. said oh this is a great player this is a guy that has this many things and yeah. rings and such wins all the bracelets whatever, eh, you know yeah. what they're not winning that much anymore mm-hmm. you know it's a streaky game you can go yeah. two years without winning and you can go broke and you can't get a you know entrance uh a fee but you know you can't raise the money to get back in yeah well so, it's, it's i mean because yeah. Over the long haul, mm-hmm. skill matters a great deal. But poker, the sessions are short-term games. So, like, if you go out for a night and you're playing mm-hmm. for five hours, like, that's not enough time to overcome somebody's random luck, necessarily. Right. So, over the long haul, you'll win. But, I mean, you could just run into bad luck for a while and sure. lose your whole bankroll. If you Absolutely. Will. And they used yeah. to, now everybody's pretty good. Everyone mm-hmm. knows how to play now. Yeah. So, uh, you can't, there's no guarantee. I don't care if you're 4% better or 5% better. A lot of the young pros like to think they're so so great, and then they're not, and they disappear. And a couple of years ago, you know, they have to go back to their, their hometowns. You mm-hmm. know, that, that's, that happens out there. So, the idea is maybe to play in a softer game. Be the best player at the table. Mm-hmm. You'll have a better chance of winning in the long yeah. run. What's the most amount of money you've ever seen somebody win at a, at a poker table? Well, in tournaments, it's huge. You know, in cash games, uh, you know, I've seen people win in the hundreds of thousands. You know, wow, I've seen it, seen it. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, and is that mostly in like sort of underground home games, or do they play for that kind of money at a casino? Because sometimes the, they play in casinos. Because if you're at the bike and they've yeah. got like the high roller room and you're in there, yeah. they're still taking their rake. So, right. do you feel like there's more money coming off the table, so it's better to play in a home game for that kind of money? Like, do they Maybe do that? Maybe it's or? better, but uh, I, I mean, I played in Bobby's room. Once mm-hmm. Bobby's room is in Bellagio, and that's considered the highest casino poker game in the world. And mm-hmm. they are they're playing for numbers, you know, hundreds of th- you could win or lose five hundred thousand to a million dollars in wow. a day in some of those games. Yeah, so that's very exciting. Um, What's the average pot size on there? Like are they thirty grand, forty grand, fifty yeah, grand? I'd pot? say that, and then okay. they go up to hundreds of thousands. Oh wow! You know? Wow! Yeah. So the game can be as big as you want it to be, but uh, it's very tough to sustain it. I don't care how good you are, poker's tough. Um, now, don't forget, my movie is not just poker. Yeah, of course. It's about a poker oh, game, but yes. it's, it's but really it's about, the, it's about the people and, yeah. the, and the fun and uh, seven days well, I think to that's Vegas more and, a, that I, and crazy bets, really. That, that's one thing yeah. I think that uh, you know, the World Poker Tour really helped revolutionize is they made 
the people playing the game an interesting part of it. Like you talked about Phil Locke, the Unabomber. Yeah. Like he's a character like that as a, as a human, he's interesting to watch on TV. People became fans of specific poker players, which is a weird thing to be a fan of. Like, like why would you be like, oh, I like this guy playing poker. Like he's playing poker. It's not like he's shooting. He's not well, shooting half court. The great know? thing about it though, and what I respect about poker players yeah. and players that are playing for big money, especially cash games, mm-hmm. is they're playing for their own money. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got to be able to pull the trigger. I mean, mm-hmm. they're pushing big bets. Yeah. I mean, that's genius. That takes a lot of guts yeah. to yeah. put your own money out there when you can't really afford it. Some of them can, some of them can't. Yeah. And to make those kind of moves, that's impressive. And I think people see that on TV and they go, oh, okay, I, I totally respect that. Mm-hmm. Well, I love I love that. And I think it's going to be really fun for people to to watch you know, the, the inside track of that in seven days to Vegas. And then how that leads to these other crazy bets and what they do and stuff. That sounds so much fun. You know, betting men do and betting people doing, you know, betting weird bets and and trying to, you know, have fun with each other while uh, while betting on bizarre stuff with each other. I mean, (laughs) I saw, I watched the trailer. It is so funny. And it just immediately made me kind of think like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is the kind of, this is this is what it's like to to uh, to be betting with your friends and trying to yeah. you know trying to outdo each other and uh, and come up with weird stuff and it, I mean it's it, it looks yeah. hilarious. And by the I way, just wait. just I a note for anybody yeah. that watches the World Poker Tour on TV, yeah. Vince's hair is just as impressive in person as it is on TV. <laughs> it is very amazing impre- head of hair. <laughs> head of hair. This we're jealous of that. The head of hair, head of hair on this guy. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. Seven Days to Vegas is going to be on VOD and in theaters September twentieth. So mm-hmm. check your local listings to uh, to get to the theater and go and make that happen. Uh, Vince Van Patten, it is an honor. Your house is gorgeous. You're an amazing and gorgeous man. Wow. Thank you for uh, thank you for having us here. Thank um, you. How Thanks can for people, being here. How can yeah. people find you on the internet? Do you have a, a Twitter? You use the Instagram and any of that stuff? Oh yeah, I have Twitter. I don't know what the code is, but <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> so don't bother. Uh, but Seven Days to Vegas. If you can follow Seven Days to Vegas or go to clubwpt.com to check out the movie. And it's just a delight talking to you guys. Okay, it was right. wonderful. Well, thank you. Wonderful. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, and have a wonderful day. Oh.